1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fees, 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. CTMobile.com. With the beginning of the school year just weeks away, what might the COVID protocols look like in the classroom this year?
2: The CDC is planning to simplify and streamline a wide number of its COVID-19 recommendations starting in the classroom. After two
1: and a half years of social distancing, masking, testing and quarantining, it looks like many of those protocols will be behind us. It will also mean a more normal looking school year with more kids in the classroom and less stress for students and parents. And the timing seems right. I am
3: um, feeling like we're in a better place and we don't need to have as many restrictions. Um, But I do think there are some common sense, um, you know, science informed guidelines that do need to be followed. Like we want to keep kids who are symptomatic and sick out of the classroom um, until they're no no longer pose an infectious
1: threat. This week on 880 In-Depth, COVID and schools. Where are we today? And what do parents need to know? Welcome to 880 In-Depth, I'm Tim Shelled. This academic year will feel more like the pre-COVID days rather than what we've seen these past three years. Mask requirements are all but gone and will likely only be used if a child has been exposed to the virus. But there is this feeling that it is an option that still needs to remain on the table.
3: I do think we need to hold on to the idea of masks on threat. For example, if there is a new variant that is causing severe disease um, or evading
1: vaccines and, and things like that. Social distance requirements are being relaxed and test to stay policies are being eliminated. And those testing guidelines, they're changing significantly.
3: I I think there's a there's a shift to move away from testing for pretty much any purpose other than identifying whether or not someone who um, is is symptomatic has COVID or not.
1: But that's troubling to the head of New York City's teachers union.
3: We still believe very strongly
4: in a, a testing program where people have we have the ability to screen.
1: We'll hear more from Michael Mulgrew later. We'll also have a conversation with Dr. Rosha McCoy about the importance of vaccines.
2: For most children, um, the cases are either asymptomatic or or very mild. But there is a significant proportion of children who do get pretty sick and, and a proportion of kids who do die. But let's start
1: with Dr. Dennis Nash. He's a distinguished professor of epidemiology at the CUNY Graduate School of Public Health. He sat down with reporter Peter Haskell, saying he's optimistic about the coming school year.
3: I mean, I think we are in a much uh, better place on on almost every front um, uh, than we were last year and in prior years um, in terms of things that we know that we can do or we are doing to, to keep kids safe and also the you know their their families and households. Um, And I think, um, you know, vaccination obviously is the big game changer since last school year with the very young kids now being able to be vaccinated. Um, And all the vaccination will protect them all against severe disease and also slightly reduce the risk of of long COVID um, that they would face if they were to become infected. And I I think to me that that long COVID is the... um, you know the the lingering um outcome that we have not really f- fully figured out how how to prevent um and to avoid other than avoiding covid itself um vaccination doesn't prevent it um although we know younger kids are are lower risk of getting long covid than than older people so there's so that's good um so, so the the way to avoid long COVID is to lower the risk of infection, and um, vaccines only do that for a, a brief period of time. And so, we need to be thinking about things like, um, l- like improved ventilation and airflow systems and um, filtration systems in schools. I think these are really important things. And they'll help reduce the risk of not only, you know, bad, bad effects of, of COVID, um, but many other pathogens that circulate are in the airborne way. So I think that's a big thing that should be on the radar, or hopefully has been on the radar of m- many school systems over the, over the summer months.
5: There are some adults who say, in terms of a second booster, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for a variant-specific booster do you think some parents might be waiting either to hear more about possible side effects or to hear if there's a different or better booster on the way?
3: Well, I, I mean, to the latter point, I do hope there are better boosters on the way, but that doesn't mean, um, you know, it's not a good time to get a booster now. I think, I think there's always going to be a need to be staying up to date with covid vaccines and when when they improve um for example with bivalent or variant specific vaccines that are expected to come online this fall you know they can get them but right now there's a lot of covid circulating and for adults um being boosted is is uh, really important to protect against Severe disease and death. So um, I, I, I would, I did not wait, and I, I don't think anyone else should wait for new and better boosters. They'll they'll be there when you need them, but you also need one now.
5: In terms of in the
3: classroom, in the
5: past couple of years, we have heard a lot about masking mandates, masking policies, social distance, physical barriers, things like that. Do do schools need those things now, or are we beyond that?
3: Well, I think that um, masking certainly went by the wayside um, last year in schools, and I expect that, um, that it will be the same this year. But I do think we need to hold on to the idea of masks on threat. For example, if there is a new variant that is causing severe disease, um, or evading vaccines and, and things like that. Um, so I think masking will always need to be an important part of prevention. I also think that masking is going to be an important part of people that may have symptoms um, if they um, if they're coming out of isolation and they've known they've had COVID and they're coming back into the classroom. Um, you know, there's going to be I think a lot of discussion about how those isolations period should be handled and and um, in situations where schools follow the cdc guidance which is five days of isolation followed by five days of mask use masks are going to be very important um, in, in that regard these seem to be some pretty critical
5: questions under what circumstances should kids be out of school and should they isolate? Is it symptoms? Is it a positive
3: test? How, how should we look at this? Um, certainly a positive test, and um, with symptoms, I do think it's important for um, schools to know and for kids to know what what the causes of those symptoms are, whether it be COVID, whether it be flu um, or strep. All of these things have implications for um, you know preventing. Uh, outbreaks in schools. And so the test is really important. Um, and and I, I do think, you know, one thing that um, we've given more attention to during COVID is to to try to keep people who are ill and spread, capable of spreading, you know, infections that we don't really want spreading in schools, um, keep keeping them out until they're, they're safe to come back. Um, And so I, I hope that that's something that will happen for COVID, but also for some of these other things like flu and strep. So to be clear,
5: if someone has symptoms, but has not tested positive, should they stay home or should they go to school and make sure they wear a mask?
3: I think in general, the, gu- the guidance for, for that, um, if you have symptoms, is to stay home and, and get tested. Um, and if you're negative, then that's another question. But if you're positive, um, then, you, you know, that's when you need to begin isolation for COVID. At what point
5: then should children be allowed back to school? And at what point should they be wearing their masks and then taking off their masks?
3: Yeah, that I think is the key question and I think we're going to see some very, um, you know, differing approaches depending on the school system. And um, one approach, as I mentioned, is just directly following the CDC guidance. But other other approaches include, you know, um, testing negative before coming out of isolation. So if on day five, you're still positive, then you need to stay in isolation until you test negative. We might see some schools do do that. Um, there's also the issue of quarantine and what to do when someone's exposed. I think we've seen a lot of variation in how schools have handled that, and um, uh, you know that that is um, you know something that also could involve um, the use of of masks and. Testing approaches, um, but I, I think there's a there's a shift to move away from testing for pretty much any purpose other than identifying whether or not someone who um, is, is symptomatic has COVID or not. Um, we may continue to see the use of, of tests for other purposes, like the test to stay model, but um, but it, you know it's going to be very interesting this fall. See how different schools handle it. What do you
5: think? Is that the best way to go? Only test kids who have symptoms, or do you want to test in in other circumstances if someone in the class is sick or any other thing?
3: I think it's. I think it's really. I think at a minimum um, there should be testing beyond the um, the CDC guidelines because I do. I do think that. kids can be infectious for more than five days uh, after they have COVID. And whether or not a test-to-stay model um, is, you know, for for kids, let's say there's been a case in the classroom, do they want to then begin um, implementing routine testing of everyone on, let's say, a daily basis to see if, um, and and only those who are negative be allowed to stay, um, that, 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 um, I think is is a good model, but it's also really, you know, challenging and, and uh, resource intensive to implement. And so I, I'm not so sure that we'll see that being so widely used.
2: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
3: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
2: You have 47 new voicemails.
3: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: A new study on masking in the Boston area brought interesting results. Schools that lifted mask mandates last year had a significant increase in COVID cases. The data showed an additional 45 cases per thousand. So for a school of 1,000, that's an extra 45 kids getting sick and potentially spreading that virus in school and in their community. The research has yet to be peer-reviewed. Dr. Nash is concerned that some decisions are being made for reasons beyond science. Masks and vaccines, he says, have become part of the culture wars
3: politics has played a huge role in every dimension of the COVID pandemic. And, um, it seems other, uh, aspects of public health as well. And so there are, uh, some very vocal, there have always been some very vocal, um, individuals and groups in this whole school debate that, um, have the ears of politicians and, um, and because they're loud and influential, Tend, tend to have influence on the actual decisions that elected officials make maybe outsize influence um, over and above you know real subject matter experts and you know that that's always a problem I mean there, there really should not be much room for political influence in some of these decisions about the welfare of, of kids and the, and the public's health
5: it seems like that you are on board with rolling back a lot of the restrictions oh. that we had a year ago or two years ago.
3: I I would say um, yes, compared to uh, like when we started out, I um, on the conversation, I am on board with fewer restrictions largely because we are in a much different place now with, with um, you know, the, when I think about schools, I think not only about the, the kids in the classroom and their well-being, but also you know, faculty and staff who are adults that may be at high risk and also family members in the household. Um, and so all, the, all of that um, sort of, all those connections, if you think about where we are now um, compared to where we were last fall, we now have um, vaccination for the very young kids. We have um, boosters for the um, older adults who are at risk for severe outcomes. We have Paxlovid for those adults who are at risk for severe outcomes. We have Evusheld, which is a um, which is which is a sort of preventive. Um, monoclonal antibody treatment that people can take, who are at like for example, if you've had um, if you've had a, an organ transplant, you can take this and you can re- really reduce your risk of, of getting severe COVID. And and then of course we have um, for for those for whom none or all of these things won't work, we have masks. So um, and then on top of that, we have um, ventilation and air, air air filtration systems that um, you know should be a big strategy of every school. So I am um, feeling like we're in a better place and we don't need to have as many restrictions. Um, but I do think there are some common sense, um, you know, science informed guidelines that do need to be followed. Like we want to keep kids who are symptomatic. And sick out of the classroom um, until they're no lo- they no longer pose an infectious threat, um, and so I, I, I think um, so, so. I'm not in favor of getting rid of all restrictions, and I am in favor of, of mask use when indicated. For example, when when there's a a variant where all of these tools are not um, available, and I and I am concerned about the risk of long covid because the really we really don't have a good tool to mitigate that yet
5: you know i'll ask you this and I, i i appreciate your patience how concerned are you about a new variant upending this entire equation
3: oh i think it's a very real risk um you know there there's a lot of unmitigated covid spread happening around the world right now and and The more that that happens, the higher the risk of a new variant that could be, you know, uh, along the lines of what we saw with Omicron or worse. So I I view it as a very real threat and something that we absolutely need to be um, prepared for and planning for.
1: New York City schools are waiting on the CDC to release its new guidance, but the teachers union is still concerned. Union leader Michael Mulgrew told our Mac Rosenberg that a hands-off attitude could be dangerous.
4: We've always worked with, our, with our, own, our own doctors. The CDC was something we're monitoring. We're very troubled right now because schools have started opening in other parts of the country. And by and large, there's no protections. There's no testing at all. And that's something that we feel would be unacceptable. Because uh, the, the last thing we want is for a school to become a place where, uh, where COVID gets spread but people are getting COVID just because they came to school. Um, So what that, you know, what that means for us, we are now having conversations with the department of education. Uh, We've made that position clear to them that we need, you know, we still believe very strongly in uh, a testing program where people have, we have the ability to screen Uh, what that program looks like. We'll see what the CDC comes out with in the next couple of weeks. And then we'll take that back to our own doctors and we'll go back to the city. But, The COVID itself, uh, I know it's, you know, everyone's decided they want to, you know, basically everyone's like, okay, we can live with it. But at the same time, we don't want a school to become a place where COVID is being spread. So we believe strongly there should be some sort of testing program in place.
2: So we're entering a year where, in a lot of ways, the pandemic's behind us, in a lot of ways, it's not. Um, Mm -hmm. What kind of permanent changes? do you see in the classroom as a result uh, that, you know, teachers are having to deal with now and, and students?
4: Um, Last year, uh, the acute, uh, you know, the, the amount of learning loss, you know, that's the phrase. Most people understand uh, the learning loss that we've seen is going to be with us for a couple of years. Um, The social emotional, Schools have always done social and emotional work, but the level that we're now doing it at—we're um, not crisis intervention specialists—but that is really what's being thrust upon the schools, and I think that's going to—I I think that that's going to be part of, you know, schools, sc- schools, individual schools and school systems now for 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 the foreseeable future. I don't see that ever going away because. Of what has happened inside of our society, whether it's you know the different violence episodes that we've seen, uh, or the effects uh, that we've just you know that children are exhibiting because of COVID. And look, we're our society as a whole seems to be a very angry place. You turn on TV, it's angry. You turn on you know conversations are not civil anymore, and that absolutely has an effect on children. So I think that you know, more school taking even a bigger role in social, emotional support and intervention is now going to be a permanent part of education.
2: Yeah. And you don't think it'll be just, you know, school social workers dealing with that. It's, it may be teachers, right?
4: No, no, that was that, that with any, any thought that that's how it was going to work was blown up last year. Uh, Teachers all across the city were dealing with levels of crisis, that they were never asked to deal with before because there was just so many children involved.
1: A significant weapon to reduce infectious spread among kids remains vaccines. According to the CDC, 6 in 10, 12 to 17-year-olds have received two shots, but only 3 in 10, 5 to 11-year-olds have had both doses. Dr. Rosha McCoy is the chief health care officer at the Association of Medical Colleges. She tells our Peter Haskell, getting your child vaccinated is still critical.
2: For most children, um, the cases are either asymptomatic or or very mild. But there is a significant proportion of children who do get pretty sick and, and a proportion of kids who do die. And so I think when you think about vaccine preventable diseases, what families need to think about is, is the vaccine safe? And is it, gonna, is it going to prevent potentially a very severe illness? I mean, most of the vaccines that we give now are like that. You know, most children are not going to get that sick from chickenpox, but most, you know, there is a population of kids and it's a little bit unpredictable to know who is going to get really sick and, and potentially have a very, a very severe outcome. So these are called vaccine preventable illnesses, and we vaccinate for lots of different kinds of uh, illnesses like that. And COVID is, is the same way. Um, it's also true that we, we wanna make sure that children with any kind of uh, chronic illness, comorbidity that may make them even at higher risk are definitely vaccinated. But for children who don't have that, it's still important because it a, has a very safe um, profile as far as safety and so the, the risks and when you look at the risk and
5: benefits, the benefits certainly outweigh the risk. You you certainly understand this better than most. There are parents who are saying, it's very unlikely my kid gets seriously ill. It is, it, shouldn't they be thinking about it in terms of a probability game, just go beyond that? And how do you convince them if they say, look, I know all these kids, nobody's gotten seriously sick, Why am I going to take the chance with my kid?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess everybody needs to talk to their child's health care provider and look at the risks and benefits. This vaccine has an excellent safety profile. There do not seem to be any serious safety issues. There's a little bit of soreness of the arm, but mostly kids aren't even getting that. So if anything, kids are getting milder side effects than adults. Um, and I think when you think about the risk of COVID in this, in this country, there are, it is a risk for children as well. And the other problem is that even though vaccinating doesn't completely protect from transmitting infection, it does make it less. So children can, if they're vaccinated, they're less likely to spread the illness to others who may even be at higher risk, and especially in schools, et cetera, You don't know who those kids are who are at higher risk. Um, Who you may be sitting next to somebody who has asthma, or maybe may maybe have another chronic illness. So, really important to prevent the community spread, and really important to think about the risk. I mean, I guess I would tell you as a pediatrician, as as a healthcare provider, as soon as it was available. Uh, i recommended that my granddaughter get the vaccine so i think you will also hear that most physicians are having their children vaccinated so it is has a very good safety profile and we really need to make sure that we don't risk a child getting really seriously ill or die last
5: question for you if these vaccination rates among children stay low How concerned are you that as we get into colder weather, as we get into winter, that we could see a spike among children and in communities in general?
2: Yeah, I am very concerned. I mean, I think when you have a vaccine that's safe and effective, we need to use it. And we don't know if there's going to be other variants coming. You know, right now, the variant that is in the community does not seem to be causing very serious illness in children or hospitalization but we don't know that that's true for other variants that may be coming so in general i think it's very important to uh, you know have this vaccine that's free safe and effective to me to me that just makes sense for families to get their children vaccinated
1: We'll do it for this week's 880 In-Depth. Thanks to our guests, Dr. Dennis Nash, Michael Mulgrew, and Dr. Rosha McCoy. You can find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts and audio. Please subscribe. Just search for us at WCBS 880 In-Depth. The executive producers are myself, Tim Scheld, and Peter Haskell. Thank you for listening and be safe.